Welcome. You are listening to the Learning to Believe Again podcast with your host, Brittany Bexton. Where do you begin when you're learning to believe again? Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about prophetic acts, what they are, and giving specific examples. And I say we, not just me and you, but I have a couple of guests on this week. I actually am interviewing them both separately. And right now, I have got Shamel Solomon on. Welcome, Shamel. Hello. Shamel is a mighty woman of God, a prophet, and I know that she lives a life of intercession and she does prophetic intercession regularly. You should totally follow her videos online. She does regular prayer times on Monday and Wednesday, as well as communion, and she equips, teaches, and has had a number of experiences with this. I'm so excited to hear what she has to share with us today. And I don't know if you wanted to share anything specific about yourself before we moved on. No, I don't. Other than uh, I love prophetic intercession and I love prophetic acts (laughs) a lot. (laughs) I love it. So Shamel and I got to know each other through a couple of online classes mm-hmm. with Jennifer Evaz is our mentor in those. And I put a post up just asking people about their experiences with prophetic acts recently. And Shamel said that she lives a lifestyle of doing this. So I'm so excited to hear your story about I, I know you have a specific story you wanted to share about a prophetic yes. act you did and how it worked out. So, yes. So before I knew anything about um, prophetic acts, I was doing prophetic acts and had no clue what it was that I was doing. And so my daughter, who will be 13 years old in July, was born with a uh, what sciences or doctors say that is incurable and the disease is called sickle cell disease and for the first year of life it was a bunch of blood transfusions we don't know how many i don't remember how many blood transfusions she's had multiple surgeries um, multiple organs um taken out and just all kind of funky stuff and I was a member of this Baptist church and this young lady or this older lady came up to me one day and she says, hey, um, I, I have something that I want to share share with you. And I did not understand why she gave me the, the, the instructions, but I do now. And I had yeah. completely forgot about this prophetic act that I started doing almost 13 years ago. And now I'm seeing the fruition of, <laughs> of that. And she says, Shamel, when you uh, give Simone her medications, which at the time Simone was on penicillin and she was on uh, folic acid, um, uh, the as not as needed, but the monthly blood transfusions, mm. She was on, um, what else? Just all kind of other med- 
uh, and uh, excessive pain medications like Lortab and just high doses of pain medication. And she yeah. says, Shamel, what you need to do before you give her her medications in the morning, you need to uh, pray um, over the medication and say, uh, I plead the blood that Jesus shed on the whipping post over all these medications. Mm. And I did that over and over and over again for a certain amount of years. And year by year, little things start happening with Simone. And so this was a baby who was really taking communion. I had no, I, I wasn't even taking communion then, but <laughs> this was a baby that was taking communion. Uh, and so over the, the, the uh, over the years, little things start happening. And so they took her off of blood transfusions. So they, wow. the first thing was they took her off as not as needed, but they took her off uh, monthly bl- blood transfusions. And then they switched it to as needed. Wow. I kept doing those. I plead the blood that Jesus shed whip and post over Simone's medications. And then next thing you know, they took her off of as needed blood transfusions. Then next wow. thing you know, they wanted to diagnose her with, um, I believe it was th- some thyroid, not, was it thyroid issues? Yes, they wanted a diagnosis with thyroid issues. And um, there was something that was going on with her weight. She was showing all the signs. When we went back to the doctor, everything was clear. Then time went on. I'm trying to give you guys just a little history. Then time went on. Simone would usually get something that's called acute chest. And acute chest is um, a form of pneumonia. And what it does with people with sickle cell disease is it causes their lungs to just completely collapse. One of the uh, one um, of the two uh, lungs to just collapse. And so Simone was going through that almost every month. But then all of a sudden we started to notice that Simone stopped having those collapsed lungs. So Amazing. not realizing that this, that the prayer and the communion that I was giving Simone every day, that this was the reason uh, for that. And when I, and when Brittany, when she reached out to me about sharing my experiences with prophetic acts, I had no clue on what I was going to share um, because a lot of them are just really personal. And then the Lord brought to my remembrance he's, and he's like, Shamel, do you realize how Simone got to where she is now? It was because of that prophetic act that you uh, begun with her almost 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so even today, Simone, like Simone was born with a hole in her heart. I had a dream where the Lord closed that hole up. And when we went back to the cardiologist, the pulmonologist and the hematologist three times, not three times, but two times on both occasions, they were, uh, the hole was gone. Um, it's just I'm just to be able to think about uh, something that I started long time ago and just to be able to see the fruit of that, that lets me know how powerful um, prophetic acts are. And even when we don't understand why we are doing it, um, I honored that. He honored that. And today it's a blessing just to be able to see the fullness of Simone's healing spring forth, the fullness of just the restoration of her whole body and just the whole restoration of uh, time 
that the mm-hmm. Lord is doing is, is concerning um, her youth. And so for about two years now, I've been doing the prophetic act of communion. And I didn't start because of what, because of Simone. Like when I started that, um, I wasn't even thinking about Simone taking yeah. communion. But even with myself, just doing that prophetic act of communion every day um, has brought so much breakthrough in my life. And I believe that communion is one of the biggest prophetic acts that we can uh, participate in or one of those prophetic acts that that we can be sure that will bring change in our lives, in our bodies, um, in, in prayer in general. And so for my um, my reasoning for doing communion was pretty much to overcome the enemy. And one thing that I have learned about that one particular prophetic act, communion, is that it's not, uh, communion is not just about Jesus dying on the cross. Um, what it does, it reminds Jesus on what he did on the cross and it reminds him of his promises. And then it also on the flip side, it reminds the enemy that he is a defeated foe and that you have the ultimate uh, victory. And so that is my my number one prophetic act that the Lord that the Lord wanted me to share with you guys. I love it. Doesn't it get everyone excited to hear about the way that Shamel's daughter has been transformed? I just, I want to, I feel like we have to thank God that she is fully healed because I know that that's coming and it's already in process. And Mm -hmm. so thank you, Lord, for Simone's complete healing. And thank you so much for sharing that. It's so funny. I was thinking about, okay, so what are some biblical examples of prophetic acts that I could share too? And I'm I'm like you, most of the prophetic acts I've done are so personal that I'm like, I can't really share that. Mm -hmm. They're either personal to me or, or for another person. And I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. that would be violating trust for someone else. So I, I have one that I could probably share, but I love that. I didn't even think about communion and you're so right. I mean, just the act of taking communion is a prophetic act. And Jesus not only had the disciples do it, but he, he told us all to do it in remembrance of him all the time. Yes. So I know we didn't talk about it as much at the front end. We talked a little bit about prophetic acts a couple of weeks ago on my podcast, but just explaining what they were. But if you are just catching up this week, just kind of a refresher, they are a powerful form of prophetic intercession. Intercession being interceding on behalf of God's people for another person or even for yourself. Um, and in prayer, bringing God and God's will into that situation. So prophetic acts are things that God calls us to do and leads Mm -hmm. us to do that are an act in the natural to bring the supernatural down. Mm -hmm. And like Shamel was saying, sometimes it doesn't necessarily make sense, or there might be a piece of it that does, Mm -hmm. but we don't really even understand the fullness of what God's doing through it. Communion is such a great example because so much, like he can do so much through communion because he mm-hmm. promised us so much more, I think, than we can even comprehend. Mm-hmm. I was and also, you know, oh yeah. Go ahead, Brittany. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I was also thinking about other examples in scripture. And I think probably one of the most famous examples in scripture of a prophetic act 
is when God tells Moses to raise his staff yep. over the waters and the seas part. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine hearing from God and just having him say, raise your staff over the water and you have an army behind you coming after you, potentially trying to kill you and all your people. And you're like, raise my hand up over the water. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. But look what happened when he did. Obedience to God in those moments is so powerful. And just the act of raising his staff was like raising it in victory and God parted the seas. Mm -hmm. So what were you going to say? That at the time when I started doing the communion, I did not believe that Simone was going to be. I was just saying it. And so. I would even encourage people, even if they believe that they don't have enough faith to believe that God will do it or that he can just start. And I believe that as we continue to um, do the things of the Lord, that day by day or each time that we participate in that prophetic act, that it builds our faith. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you start seeing that, 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 um, the fruit or the manifestation of what it is that you have uh, you have been planning. So I know some people, they may say, well, you shouldn't do this because you don't believe that you, you don't believe yet. Or God is not going to do this um, because you don't believe. But I believe if you just just get started, mm-hmm. that they can bring some major transformation in your life, even if it takes yeah. almost 13 years like yeah. it did for my daughter. <laughs> That's so good. It makes me immediately think of that verse in Mark 11, where the father is faced with Jesus. And he says, if you can heal my son and Jesus says, Mm -hmm. well, I can heal him if you believe, you know, like Mm -hmm. anything is possible if you believe. And the father had a lot of doubts because of all the ways that he had experienced life up to that point with his son. But in that moment, he grabbed hold of that word and he said, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. So he didn't deny that he had feelings of unbelief or fears Mm -hmm. or doubts, but he said, I believe, just help me overcome that. And the very act of doing that, his son was healed. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have to do in faith before we feel the faith. Right. Right. I love that. Right. I was going to ask you, and you kind of probably already said this, but I'm still going to ask I always like having people when they come on share one word or one nugget to leave with the audience before they say bye-bye for the day and, you know, just to kind of hone in on everything. And I feel like you did that a little bit with what you just shared, but if you could kind of share like one golden nugget, whether it be a bit of wisdom, advice, encouragement, what would it be? The number one thing that I would probably say is You don't have to see the manifestation or see change in order to believe that God is going to do it. Or you don't have to see the change or the manifestation um, in order for you to take action. You don't have to see the manifestation or the fruit or the promise in order to do something or in order to believe. Sometimes God is not asking us to just for us to believe right then and there or to just have all this faith you know Mm -hmm. that moves mountains sometimes he just wants us to do something just like I did with um with Simone and so I would just encourage 
anyone who's watching the broadcast, regardless of what the situation looks like, regardless of what it seems like, uh, position yourself and do things that um, that is a reflection of God's promise, meaning you walk as though those things have already happened because they really are. We're just waiting on those things to come down in the natural. So the truth is, it's already happened in the spirit. And so a lot of times things, a lot of times things can't happen until we do something. So God has already done it, but he's waiting on you to do something. So whatever that is, whether big or small, just do it. Yeah. And let the Holy Spirit lead. Mm -hmm. Also, I just want to tag on to that, like, Shamel waited 13 years to start seeing some of the manifestation of this, but she faithfully did these things. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't something that you tried to fix yourself in the natural. I mean, you went through the motions of going through the doctors and things like that, but this was a supernatural act. Mm -hmm. This was a spiritual act that God Mm -hmm. has had you doing all this time. Mm -hmm. So yes, move in faith, move in Mm -hmm. faith and know that even in the long seasons, even in the things yes. that God is working on over time, he's still working and he just wants you to meet him there. That's so powerful. Yes. Yes. That's so powerful. And you know, Brittany, the other thing that, that stood out to me is 13 years ago, I was nowhere near where I am now. Yeah. I had a lot of issues. I was in the world. Mm-hmm. I was just doing things I had no business doing. And even if someone watches the replay and they feel like, well, I don't have it all together. God is not looking for you to have it all together just to do something. So just do it. So there's no qualifications to be able to do it, whether you're saved or whether you're not saved. Yeah. Um, just do it. Yes, I love that. Someone shared a post this morning about Saul's encounter with Jesus that mm-hmm. changed his name and his life and made him Paul. And they were just pointing out that when Saul encountered Jesus, he wasn't a believer yet. He was not filled with the spirit yet. In fact, he was out to kill Christians. He was out Mm -hmm. to do evil, but Mm -hmm. God himself met him in that place and encountered Mm -hmm. him. And at that point, he just moved in obedience. Mm -hmm. So it's so true. I mean, it doesn't matter if we're saved or in a good place or not, we are still children of God and it is never too late to come to him and to follow his lead. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me. I really, really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day, Shamel. And I will have our next guest on in just a second. Hello again, everyone. I have got Kristen Chipman on now, and she is going to share some of her experiences with doing prophetic acts, and we will also share a couple of Bible verses with examples of that. Welcome, Kristen. Hi. Tell everyone here. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for coming. Tell everyone just a little bit about yourself. Okay, Um, so I live in Central Florida. I am a homeschool mom of, uh, well, one daughter now. I, I have two daughters. My oldest recently got married and is in college. And my younger daughter is 16. She's a sophomore in high school. And um, we've been homeschooling for 13 years. Um, Been here in Florida for nine. And um, just love our family, um, our community. 
um, don't love the heat. <laughs> um, so, and I have a longtime believer. I've been a believer since I was very, very young. Um, but I feel like I'm just in the last few years really beginning to walk in the power and truth of the calling that the Lord has placed on my life. That's awesome. So you are going to share a little bit about your experience with prophetic acts. What are you going to share with us today that you have learned and put into practice? Um, well, I'm going to share about um, anointing and consecration with anointing oil. Awesome. Uh, that is something that I have a lot of experience with. <laughs> um, and it's something that's meaningful and I've seen work powerfully in my own life. Um, and I'm really excited about it. Awesome. Um, should I dive right in? Dive right in. Okay. So um, the anointing oil, I think in certain circles, anointing oil is like a thing. Everybody knows about it, right? And in other circles, um, I have recently, I grew up with it. So it's kind of always been something that I've known about. But in the last few months, I've had the opportunity to really dive into the scripture and see what the scripture says. And that's been a huge blessing for me. Yeah. Um, because I discovered that there are other circles within the church that don't know anything about it. And it's, it took me by surprise, especially because um, some of the people that I knew that didn't know anything about it we're battling some things spiritually. And I, and I said, well, you know, have you anointed your house? And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, with like anointing oil. And they're like, anointing oil, what's that? And so I, you know, had a little bit of a mind blown moment because um, I just literally thought that pretty much every church taught on the anointing oil and that it was a common practice in like across the board. Yeah. Um, so that spurred me to take some time, dive into the scriptures and then share what I what I already knew and also what I've learned. And um, let me tell you, scripture is so encouraging on this subject. <laughs> yeah. So it's such a beautiful picture. So I, I see it, the anointing oil as really just a part of every it should be a part of every believer's life. Um, and there's no power in the oil itself. It is the act. And um, that's where it, it's important. Um, and so I just went, I went from Genesis to Revelation. And <clears throat> specifically, um, when I was doing my research for this, I was specifically researching for um, anointing things like our homes, our, yeah. our items. Um, but there's a ton of scripture that talks about anointing with healing. So like, I, but I'm not even going to get into that because <laughs> there's, there's so much scripture. It's yeah. a little ridiculous how much scripture there is. Like when I did um, <clears throat> this, I started with uh, like 25 scriptures and I whittled that down to, to 17, <laughs> whittled it down to 17. And then, um, then <laughs> I whittled it down a little bit more. Um, and that's not even half of the scriptures that I found. Um, so the first place, of course, I wanted to go starts in Genesis, um, where, and it's the first mention of anointing anything, a place specifically with oil. And that is uh, Genesis 28, 18, where Jacob goes and he's basically 
running from Esau and um, he goes to sleep and he picks the rock to be his pillow. And he goes to sleep and he has the, the dream of the angels ascending and descending the ladder into heaven. And God gives him this beautiful promise of expansion, protection, honor. Um, it's just really, really beautiful. And then Jake wakes up and he goes, whoa, like God is here in this place. This is like, holy, wow. Yeah. And so he sets apart the rock as an altar and he anoints it with oil. He pours out oil on it and he, he makes a promise. He makes an oath to the Lord to honor him. So that's the very, very first uh, mention um, and I think that's really important. Uh, and he names the place Bethel, which is house of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a place of habitation of the Lord. And so he, it's named the habitation of the Lord. It's consecrated with the anointing oil. And I think that that's a beautiful, beautiful picture of what we as believers, um, are called to do in our homes. Because it's very powerful because the Holy Spirit, so we all, you know, as believers, we know that Jesus is symbolized by, by the blood, right? He's the, the Passover lamb, the blood of the lamb, the sacrifice, his blood washes us white as snow. The Holy Spirit is often, not always, but often characterizes oil. Um, and the oil overflows us. It overflows our lives. And, and it's an anointing. And in the Old Testament, the anointing of the Holy Spirit only rested on, um, and it came on with an anointing of oil. Um, so the scripture, and you can see that um, in 1 Samuel 16, 13, um, when Samuel anointed David in front of his brothers, the Spirit of God rested upon yeah. David. Um, and I'm going to get to that in a minute because there's some stuff about kings that's really interesting. But um, as believers, we have the indwelling of the oil. The oil dwells in us. Yes. Uh, we are his temple. We're consecrated to him. And it's just beautiful. Um, and it's such a beautiful picture of what God has for us and how he wants us to be consecrated to him. Um, and consecration is a ceiling. There's no separation. When you consecrate something, you are giving it wholly and completely. And there's no, there are no cracks or crevices. Yeah. And the, the act of anointing something is sealing it to the Lord. And so our spaces, because our bodies are already consecrated to the Lord, but we can continue to do that. There's no condemnation. I think it is important to distinguish the, the heart motivation behind uh because if there's fear that's driving that how do i say this the lord honors the purity of our heart and when our heart motivations are really to seek and honor him Mm -hmm. then that's when he comes in power and when there's any other motivation his power can't come in because it's it's literally being blocked. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and with prophetic acts in general, God is the one that gives the guidance to do it. Yes, absolutely. There needs to be that that press from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
there absolutely needs to be that press from the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes there's like when I anoint, I've anointed every home I've ever lived in. Mm-hmm. And there's not necessarily been a press. A couple of times there have been. And like, you need to do this. And I'm like, okay, Lord, like, we're going to get it done. Right. Um, right. But, um, but overall, like, you know, and sometimes there are things that come in um, and we need to be, just be obedient to repent and, and move forward. Um, and I found that that anointing things with oil, even if they've already been anointed, if, if the door has been opened in any way, that re-anointing, it's just a re-consecration. It's washing yeah. off, mm-hmm. washing off anything of the enemy and putting on the yes. spirit of Christ, right? It's like a rededication to the Lord. Yes, exactly. And, um, so, um, one of the things that I also want to talk about, since we're because I'm mainly focusing on our homes and our spaces, um, um, is in Exodus. So Exodus twenty eight forty one is the consecration of the priests to the Lord, and something. Okay, so there's a recipe for the oil. Like it had to be prepared in a certain way by certain people, and the priests. The priests were Levites. They were separate from. They were the separate of the separate. Right. Yeah. So the Levites were separated out from the separate people of the entirety of Israelites and they were anointed because they were the ministers of the Lord, of the spirit of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I think it's really important to note that they were both they were consecrated by both the blood of the lamb and the anointed anointing oil, not just them, but all of their items, all of their clothing, everything was consecrated. And um, so in Exodus, and this is a couple of, there's quite a few scriptures in Exodus. um, But in Exodus 29, 21, it's the God, the father is speaking to Moses, telling him what he needs to do, how in in, in Exodus, he tells him the recipe for the oil Mm -hmm. and how to consecrate the priests with the blood and the oil. Right. So the father is speaking the blood is Jesus Christ. The oil is the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is there in this mixture. The Trinity is there in this mixture, right? And because wherever you see Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Father is always there because they are three. They are one. They are three. They testify to one another. Yeah. Um, so the Father is testifying to the Son and the Holy Spirit by giving the instruction related to the the blood and the oil, right? And so the priests, they had to be, they had to have the blood on their right earlobe, their right pointer finger and their right, no, right thumb and their right big toe. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that's because the Lord wanted them covered by what they hear, what they touch and where they walk. Yes. The blood of Jesus Christ. And then also they were totally anointed head to foot with the blood or mm-hmm. with the blood, with the oil. Yeah. Right. And so, um, so, and then all of the items, all of the items. So we see this picture of how we're supposed to walk in the power in the, in, in the Bible, if you go chronologically or not, I guess it's chronologically, if you go like biblically starting in Genesis all the way to Revelation, the priests were consecrated before the kings. 
Mm-hmm. There was no mention of kinks being consecrated because there were no kinks for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. The priests were consecrated. And why is that? Because as believers, we are meant to be servants of the Lord first and foremost. Yep. We're meant to be set apart for him and set before him to serve him. How can we serve you, Jesus? Yeah. How can we honor you? Our day needs to be spent in service to him. And, um, and so I think this is a really, really important point that when we are anointing ourselves to remind ourselves that we are priests first, because in first Peter, so in first Peter two verses nine and 10, it says that we're a chosen generation, right? We're a royal priesthood. Yeah. That's where the two come together because always in the old Testament, they, who's anointed, the priests and the kings, right? And so we there's a separation. There's only, I think Melchizedek is the only priest. <laughs> there might be one more in the Old Testament. Um, but overall, there's a separation. Priests and kings, priests and kings, right? And yeah. then Peter, what does he do? He goes, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. He brings the two together. Yeah. But before we can step into our place as kings and queens in christ we need to step into our place as priests for serving you know serving him serving him so um and then also revelation 1 5 and 6 also talks about being kings and priests yeah um, who have been washed clean by the blood of the lamb so beautiful yeah such a beautiful picture so um so then in Leviticus, Moses carries out the instructions. So not only God gives the instruction, then Moses is faithful to carry it out to the letter. Mm-hmm. It's really, really beautiful. Um, such a beautiful picture. And and yeah, you have a question. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that's it's such a great picture, too, of how like when God gives us an instruction for a prophetic act, how it works, because God gave yeah. the instruction. He laid it out. Mm-hmm. And then they followed it through. And Absolutely. because they followed it through, other things could happen. Yes, that's exactly right. And that is, it is, it's a beautiful picture of how we can be obedient to the Lord. Um, and so, and I don't, you know, when I do this, I don't make it complicated because the more I learn about the Lord, the more I see it as it's straightforward. It's simple. The Lord yeah. loves to keep things just simple. So, um, you know, I have my anointing oil. It's right here, actually. My <laughs> anointing oil. Um, and it's just, it's like olive oil from my kitchen. And I put it in a little bottle and I pray over it. And I say, Lord, this oil is yours to do your will, to um, to be set before you as, you know, a holy thing, as a symbol of what you've done in my life and what, you, what you're doing in my home. And... Um, you know, I don't follow the recipe, <laughs> you know, I don't get the special tree and paint it on like I don't or sprinkle it or whatever. I don't um, because under under the new covenant, we have such freedom and such grace. Yeah. But there is power in this thing, because when we anoint, we are saying to everything. OK, this is not just to the Lord, but also to the enemy. Mm-hmm. We are saying this space is the Holy Spirit space. And he's the only one that can come in and rule and reign in this space and nothing else can come in. 
right? So, um, so you know, when I move into a home, I've moved a lot, and when I move into a home, um, I just go, I take my oil, I put it on my finger, I run it over every door and window on the doorposts. I do usually three sides, the windows mm-hmm. with the top, um, and I pray over each one, and I just say, thank you, God, for anointing the space, for coming in, that you are the residing, the the, res- the resident here, that nothing that is not of you can come into this space. Yes. Um, it's beautiful. It's precious. I do that with myself <laughs> sometimes, or, it, you know, if I'm... I'm um, struggling with anything. My husband was recently very sick and I was anointing him every day and praying over him. And, and that's the thing, anointing and prayer always for me, always go together. Yeah. I feel like you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you really need to be in prayer, be praying by the power of the Holy spirit while you're anointing the thing. Um, and even like, I haven't done this. Well, I take that back. I've done it once or twice. Even like I like to thrift. So on occasion, if I felt like something is not quite right, I'll either get rid of it or I'll pray over it. And then yeah. I take oil. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, and so some more often than not, I'm like, mm, I'll get rid of it. But but sometimes I've been like, you know what? I think this is OK. So it's just yeah. sanctification, you know, like it's like kind of like a sanctification right. process as well. So what is one experience that you've had recently using the anointing oil that you can say you felt a difference or experienced a difference afterward as a result of anointing space, person, mm-hmm. anything really? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I do have a kind of dramatic example, but it's not recent. That's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so about eight years ago now, we were living um, with some family. It was a really hard time. And um, I did not anoint that space. It wasn't my home. Um, I didn't anoint it. I didn't think that we were going to be there very long. We were. That's kind of a long story. But um, I went away for a weekend. And someone uh, told a story about an, an evil presence that had been tormenting their child and them them and their child um and I didn't think anything of it but that weekend opened the door I didn't well I did know it I knew it but I wasn't expecting it I didn't know how to handle it it was completely out of the blue yeah um so that weekend really um was hit me like a ton of bricks and uh, it took me a very long time to recover from that spiritually <laughs> mm-hmm. and emotionally. Um, but I came home and this thing tried to come with me, mm. whatever it was. And um, I, I actually felt it. I felt its presence uh, even when I was out. Um, so not in, in the home when I was out um, and um, freaked me out. Like legitimately, I, like, I was having some moments of like, what is going on? Where is this coming from? I mean, I'm praying like nobody's business, like Jesus, get rid of this thing. Like, what is this? Whatever. Well, it came after my youngest daughter Mm. and that was when I got mad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, she woke up in the middle of the night screaming her head off 
Um, she's in a shared bedroom with my, my oldest and they had had some night terrors and things, but this was different. I could feel it. Um, and she was pointing at the closet saying there was a man in the closet and, um, he was going to come after her. And, and I could tell that it was bothering her like this, that it was different, that there was, there was definitely something there spiritually. So I went in there and I was like, this is enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you think you're going to bother me, whatever, but you're going to bother my kid. I don't think so. so <laughs> you know, like mama bear, yeah, mama bear. smackdown. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I had had a couple of other experiences earlier in my life, um, but not with my kids. Well, a couple with my kids, but not to this degree. So I went and I anointed the closet and I anointed my daughter and I anointed the beds and both my girl, like I was like, and I just stomped around my husband and I'm sure the family that we were living with probably thought I was crazy. Um, but I didn't even care because I'm like, you are going to leave and you're not going to come back in the name of Jesus. Like, this is not your space. You don't have ownership over this. (laughs) Like you think you can come in here and, and torment my child who then couldn't sleep for, you know, like, I don't think so. You can't touch her. You don't have her. She is not yours. Yeah. And um, I mean, I like, I went in that closet. I literally emptied it out. And like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I like am emptying it out. I'm like praying and standing in it to like, in the name of Jesus, you leave, you remove yourself, you get out. Don't you ever come back. I anointed the window. I was like, you have no space here. You have no right to be here. You have nothing, 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 nothing. And it left. And that was it. Um, it was a thing, though. Like, it wasn't like a three-minute, like, oh, here's some oil. You know, no. It was like, you know, and after that, because I had not anointed, I anointed all of the spaces. Yeah. Um, Because I wasn't going to live with that. Right. And there have been some times uh, since then, and definitely sometimes prior to them, when things have been unintentionally invited, um, that can happen. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes we're like, the Holy Spirit's like, don't watch that. And we watch it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Or we, you know, or books or people even. um, I've invited people into my home that I didn't need to, not not even realizing. Not even realizing, you know, and they bring their dirt and their junk in. And, um, And I'm learning about, now I'm like, Oh Lord, where was this when, you know, when I was 15, 20 years old, but I'm learning about like, you know, binding people's junk before they get to be near me. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Like it's made life so much easier for certain people that are notoriously difficult. <laughs> um, right. So, um, you know, there are times when I've had to reconsecrate spaces or things or myself um, and it's always with the heart of repentance, even if it's unintentional and yeah. especially if it's intentional, but even if it's unintentional, like, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't do this, you know, I didn't do this properly or I did this and I didn't, I didn't realize or whatever, or I did this and you told me not to like, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and so I think that that's, that's vital um, the heart motive and the place behind it, you know, but those things, they, especially with kids, you know, the enemy loves to get in on ground floor with our kids. He loves to try to do that. 
He loves to try to get in on the ground floor with our children because if he can steal our children away from Jesus, right, he's got a whole lifetime to wreak havoc. And and I ain't having that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, not for my babies and not for anybody else's babies. That's because right. um, we have a generation of Elishas that are being called forth right now. And they're walking, a lot of them are in a lot of junk because they don't know any better because the enemy yeah. has gotten in on the ground floor, tormented them with nightmares and tormented them with, with pain and broken homes and abusive families and whatever to steal them away. But these Elishas need to walk in power and in the glory of Jesus Christ, yeah. right? And who God created them to be. Yeah. So, you know, and I, you can anoint unbelievers. You can anoint people who don't know Jesus. You can anoint their things, their stuff, their places. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can and consecrate. We have authority to call forth things that are not as though they are. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's just a matter of time for those people. And when we yeah. anoint them, you know, we're setting them aside for Jesus. Right. And the psalm says that that he anoint like that he is a shield and a tower to his anointed, right? Yeah. His anointed, so he anoints us, right? But in Psalm twenty three, it says he anoints my head with oil. Yes, he does that. He sets us apart, and we can walk in that authority and that power. Yes. Um, yeah, that's so, so true. Yeah, so I just really um. This is something that I just kind of live, and it's, I mean, Jesus is number one. I would say the anointing oil is a, is a priority in, in my life. And the Lord just convicted yeah. me because I have anointed my home, mm -hmm. and I haven't anointed the four corners of my property. Mm. And I'm like, oh, oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually going to go do that this afternoon. There we um, go. Because he reminded me, he's reminded me twice now. And I'm like, oh, I got to do that. I got to do so that. Funny. See, um, who knew having you on a podcast would point something out that you still needed to do? Yes. Right. And so, you know, and I'm like, oh, Lord, you did. You told me over a month ago I needed to do this. And you told me again. And I still have. You told, he told me this like a week ago and I still haven't done it. And so I'm like, all right, today I'm going to do it, Lord. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then in and. It's so good. It's so good when we invite the Holy Spirit in to it our is. spaces, you know, and, and Jesus, he's so, he's so generous with us and he's so kind and um, he's so loving, you know, and like our bedrooms are, I feel like our bedrooms are, this is something that I have been thinking about and I've, the Lord has just really been laid a little bit on me. Our bedrooms are especially anointed um, because he loves to come to us in our sleep, right? Yes. So we want to consecrate our sleep to him, our dream life um, to him. I'm a dreamer. The Lord speaks mm -hmm. to me through dreams. And, um, and, you know, as a married woman, I want to consecrate the intimacy of my marriage as a reflection of Jesus and the, and the bride. Right. Yeah. So like, um, our bedrooms are especially places that should be consecrated and anointed. Um, like I almost feel like there's a double, 
the, there's like a double anointing, like a double yeah. on our, on our bedrooms, on our places of sleep. Yeah. And, um, you know, and my husband spiritually is not really following the Lord. And so I can say, so I can say with authority or not with authority, with confidence that I have, I'm taking spiritual authority over anything that is not of the Lord in that way, because I have anointed his pillow. I've anointed his side of the bed. Like, and I just, and for a long time, I didn't like, didn't think to do that. Didn't know to do that. Now I'm just like, I'm going to walk in the power and the thing that God has given me. Yeah. And, um, see how the Lord moves. Yes. Um, Um, and see how the goodness of God. And let me tell you, when I pray over my husband and when I do those things and I'm faithful and doing them more regularly, the difference is just, it's just night and day. It's just night and day. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I can't encourage you and your, your listeners and anybody, anybody else Strongly enough, seek out the scripture, see what he says about how he has anointed us and yeah. about what the anointing oil does and what and, and see what a glorious picture it is of how God has set us apart. Yes. And do it for yourself. Take it yes. into your hand. Take it in hand. It's not just we're not doing this thing just because we want to do it. It's, there's nothing religious about it. It's just this, it's just such a precious thing to step out in faith and recognizing that God has already consecrated us, but declaring that forth both with our action in the oil and our mouths as we pray and speak the word over our homes, over our children, over our husbands, over our land, over our cars. I have no. Okay, okay. I could tell you what. I just went somewhere. I mean, it was crazy, and people were nuts uh-huh. on the road, and I had to rent a car. And I have never in my entire life seen so many cars sideswiped ever. Oh I'm from God. Miami. Okay, I know what crazy drivers look like, and this place freaked me out. Like <laughs> center America, man. I did not think people were that crazy on the road, but they were. I saw 150, at least 150 sideswipe cars in three days. Oh my God. <laughs> so I had to rent a car and I was like, Oh, I don't want to drive here. People are crazy. And so I was like, all right, Lord, I'm not having an insurance deal. I'm out of state. I'm by myself. Like I'm not having an insurance deal. I said, Lord, I need you to protect this car. So I went into the little kitchen of my Airbnb, Airbnb got whatever cooking oil it was. <laughs> put some in my hand, prayed over it, Jesus, protect, I just consecrate this oil to you. I thank you, God, that you were so good. I bless yeah. you, Lord Jesus. And then I went out and I I smeared oil all over every part of that car. <laughs> and I prayed over it for a solid 10 minutes. Nice. And, um, and I just said, Holy Spirit, I said nothing that nobody's been in this car can touch me. I don't want any other junk, you know, you are, you are it, you are the ruling spirit and your angels are at the front and the back and the sides protecting this car. Yes. I didn't have one minute's issue with that car. And, (laughs) and, and I truly believe that that was the unction of the Holy Spirit because I was like, as I was praying 
and feeling nervous, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Yes. Totally a directive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I, and as soon as I prayed over it, I was like, all right, we're good. Yeah. I wasn't worried. I wasn't like, you know, I was like, we're good. We're cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you so much, Kristen, for sharing about your experience and what you have learned. I also, before we finish off today, I just want to give a couple more biblical examples that are a little different um, mm -hmm. because it's so funny. You and Shamel both talked about things that are like biblical principles that we can do every day if we want to, yes. or routinely almost, mm -hmm. you know, when I say routinely, I don't mean like a boring routine, but we can routinely consecrate our things back to the Lord. We can yes. routinely take communion, yes. but there are also times that things are not routine and don't make a lot of sense that he mm -hmm. calls us to do. Absolutely. And I just want to encourage our listeners with just a few biblical examples that if God tells you to do something, no matter how weird and wacky it might seem or how you can't like put a finger on why it would even be a thing, just mm -hmm. do it. Because mm -hmm. when God calls you to do something, there is power in it and he will back what he tells you to do up with his power. And there will yeah. be breakthrough on the other side, Absolutely. whether you see it immediately or whether you see it 13 years down the road, like Shamela talked about earlier in the podcast. Mm -hmm. But um, in Exodus, there are so many examples of prophetic acts. We've talked a little bit about how Moses lifting the staff over the Red Sea was a prophetic yes. act. And then yes. God parted the sea. Uh -huh. There are so many examples. God told Moses to put his staff to a rock. Now, granted, Moses struck the rock, which he wasn't supposed to do, but God was still faithful to provide mm -hmm. the water. Mm -hmm. There is an example of the people basically bringing poisonous snakes and how they were biting people. It was a curse, but God said, kill this snake, put it up and string it up. So they basically put a snake on a cross and they held it up. And it was an example that the enemy was defeated. Yeah. And if someone got bitten, all they had to do was look at the snake. Look, yeah. And they were healed. Yes. And we see so many examples of prophetic mm -hmm. acts in Exodus and also actually just Passover, the act that really mm -hmm. was one of the first ex examples of anointing. Um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Not just with oil, but with blood for protection. Yes. So we see all of these prophetic acts in Exodus, but I also want to talk about one in 2 Kings 5, I believe it is. Yes, Ooh. 2 Kings 5. Naaman was a man that was rich. Ah, I love him. So much going for him. And yeah. yet he had leprosy, which means his body was literally deteriorating and mm -hmm. falling off. Mm -hmm. And if someone was a leper and people knew, they couldn't even be around other people. Yep. So his servant knew that he had leprosy and his servant knew Elisha, a prophet of God. He, she knew of Elisha. And she said, you know, if only you could go and talk to the prophet of God, basically. And she told him that Elisha was known for healing. So once he found out about the prophet of God, Elisha, he wasn't even a, a Jew. He wasn't a Jewish man. He wasn't mm -hmm. a believer. Mm -hmm. But because his servant was, and he believed enough to go and seek the prophet of God, his belief in that was honored. So he went to seek the prophet of God and the prophet of God, Elisha, saw him. And the Lord gave Elisha specific instruction for him. And he said, go dip in the river. Now, I, I think it was the Jordan. 
Yeah. I can't, okay. Yes. So it was yeah, the Jordan River. It was in the Jordan, and we got really mad about it because I guess the Jordan was dirty. Yes. So the Jordan <laughs> River was filthy, and here he is with these open sores and wounds, and he has access to all this medical stuff. And you know, here he is, this kind of highfalutin man. He has a mm. lot going for him otherwise, and he can't believe that this prophet of God would have told him to dip in dirty water a number of times. And he gets frustrated and leaves like he didn't do anything for me. And his servant basically says, what do you have to lose? Mm -hmm. Like if this is going to work, why wouldn't you at least try it? You're mm -hmm. dying. No one else has an answer. You came all this way to seek the prophet of the Lord. If he had told you to do something fancy, would you have done it? So why not do this? You know? yeah, uh -huh. Now I'm paraphrasing the words yeah, fancy yeah. or not. Well, not in that part of the Bible, at least. <laughs> but <laughs> so he finally sucks up his pride, throws the pride out and goes fine. And he goes and he does exactly what the prophet told him to. Mm -hmm. And right as he finished, he was healed. So and his flesh was like a child's. Yes. His flesh was healed to be mm. like a child's. So it's yeah. such a powerful example Sometimes God has us do things that don't make a lot of sense. I mean, mm -hmm. he did not want to dip himself in the dirty Jordan River, <laughs> but that was God's healing plan. And God had mm -hmm. called him to do that. Mm -hmm. And once he did, he was healed. Mm -hmm. So I just want to encourage all the listeners that if God gives you a specific prophetic act to do, do it. It might seem silly. It might seem bizarre. It might not make any sense like the dirty Jordan River. Mm -hmm. But if God tells you to do it, it's putting your actions in the natural to his supernatural promises, his supernatural breakthrough power and his supernatural plan. Mm -hmm. And when you take that action in the natural, it brings heaven down to earth and it enables him in a bigger way to enact his plan here on earth, his plans of healing, his plans of breakthrough, his plans of restoration, his plans of awakening, whatever it is that he has called you to do that act for. Mm -hmm. So I just want to encourage you, even if it seems weird to do it, God has had me do some very weird things. I just can't talk about them because it involves other people and it would be a breach of privacy. But I can tell you that every time he has told me to move in a prophetic act, he has moved in power and backed mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So I just encourage you that while you are praying for things, while you are interceding, listen to the Lord. Let him lead you and act with obedience when he tells you to do something. It is powerful and he does mighty things through our small acts of obedience, even the ones that don't make sense. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Kristen, for coming. And I will talk to you all next week. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.